I want to continue my series um, today. I've been talking about the seven habits of, of great relationships. And thank you. <laughs> I've had a lot of different emails and conversations with people who said, have you been in my house? You know, are you following me around? Do you know what my, you, you like you're talking about me? And, uh, but relationships are stuff that we, that we all struggle with. And I don't know about you. I, I get along really well with God. It's all of y'all that I have a problem with. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And I, and I think most of us are that way, and, and yet God wants us to have really good, healthy relationships, and so we've been, we've been talking about that um, in this series. I've got two more. I want to talk to you today, and then next week, we'll wrap it up. But today, I, I want to I talk about a topic that's going to push on us a little bit, but I promise you, for everyone in this room, some point along the way, we've, we've struggled with some of this stuff. Are you ready? I, I want to I frame it this way. Any of you ever have a relative, maybe a mother, grandmother, aunt, uh, mother-in-law, who when you first got married and you, know, you had your own house, they came to your house, they would snoop in different things? Anybody ever have a relative like that? My, 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 yeah, my, my, mom, my mom was classic, man. My mom, she would come when my family lived in Ohio and they'd come to visit us when we first got married in Houston. And my mother, I kid you not, she would go through every cupboard, every closet, every drawer. I don't know what she was looking for, but, but she was just looking, at, you know, and one I just did just laugh at that. And when, so when I saw this cartoonist last week, I thought this, they wrote this about my mom. Throw that up on the screen for me. It says, I'm putting a book, it's a book on boundaries for your mom. I'm putting it in our medicine cabinet. <laughs> Why? Because mom's going to look in the medicine cabinet. Yeah. I want to talk about boundaries today. Um, boundaries are uh, titled the message, Good Fences Make Good Neighbors. And I want to talk about this habit of boundaries because I've discovered that along the way, a lot of us don't really understand what boundaries are or how to draw them with people. Um, what are boundaries? I put this on your outline. Read it with me. Boundaries are the lines we draw around our lives so that we can be safe, healthy, and effective, so that we can be safe, healthy, and effective. Now, I want to give you three reasons. I, I didn't put this on your outline. Um, you can write this down if you, if you want to take notes. Um, three reasons why you need boundaries. Here, here's the first one. People can't read your mind. They can't read your mind. Often, we, we think that people ought to be able to um, just you know, read our mind, know when we're upset, know when we're frustrated, know when they're crossing lines with us. But believe it or not, they can't. People can't read my mind. Would you say that out loud with me? People can't read my mind. And so drawing boundaries helps us let them know this is what I'm thinking. <coughs> this is what I'm going through. Second reason that you need to draw boundaries is that there are some people there are some people that, believe it or not, if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. There are some people that if you don't draw boundaries with your life, they will basically take over your life. I, I saw this, again, I saw this cartoon. I just thought this was, this was so good. Throw it up on the screen. It says, now, is this the line you're telling me not to cross? You know, as they cross it. Now, come on, how many of you have people like that in your life? You know, just as soon as you draw a line for them, baby, they're, they're going to cross it just to let you know they crossed it. Here's the third reason you need boundaries. Look at me. Your life is your responsibility. 
I think it was one amen. Let me try that again. <laughs> your life is your responsibility. Amen. amen. And the reason that's so important is because there are some of us who have made a life out of blaming everyone else around us for us not getting things done or for us being out of sorts or for us being absorbed into their lives. But you got to hear this again. Your life is your responsibility. If you don't control your life, I promise you, other people will control it for you. Okay? Now, uh, let me just give you some symptoms. He says, well, Pastor Steve, how do I know if I need boundaries? Let me just give you a few symptoms. These are on your outline. One is, I feel like people are taking advantage of me. I feel like people take advantage of me. Um, I, in, in the counseling that I do, pastoral counseling that I do with people when they come and meet with me about relationships, I'm going to tell you that probably over 50% of the conversations I have with people have to do with boundaries. And this is the, one of the common themes I hear. People will say, Pastor Steve, I just feel like people are just always taking advantage of me. Well, if they're taking advantage of you, most of the time it's because you're letting them take advantage of you. Secondly, I don't feel respected by the people I do the most for. I get guarantee you, some of you felt this this week. You're doing so much for other people, and yet they don't seem to appreciate it all that much. And some of you have even, I guarantee you, this last week felt frustrated or angry, thinking, man, they don't appreciate anything. I don't feel like they're even respecting me for all the stuff that I'm doing. That's one of the feelings of being taken advantage of. Um, I, don't, I feel resentful about the things that I'm doing. I feel resentful about the things I'm doing. I'm going to circle back to this a little later. But sometimes, you know, what you find is you're doing a lot of stuff, but you're resentful about it. You have this resentment inside. Fourth, things that are important to me aren't getting done. Things that are important to me aren't getting done. There are some of us who have, have so let other people determine our lives that we're not taking care of us. That happens. And number five, I frequently feel exhausted and overwhelmed. I frequently feel exhausted and overwhelmed. If you share any of those symptoms, there's an outside chance you may need to think a little bit about boundaries. Now, I want to give you some things to think about, and I want to give you some things to do. You ready? Listen quick, because I'm going to talk fast. Here's the first one. We need to embrace a healthy theology of boundaries. We need to embrace a healthy theology of boundaries. Now, the reason I say that, I put this statement on your outline, many people don't know the difference between being Christian and being codependent. They sometimes look the same, but they're not. Um, you say, well, Pastor Steve, you know, how can I have boundaries? Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, than a person lay down their life for others. And I, and I agree with that 100%. But did you catch what he said? You are laying down your life. It's not being taken from you. Jesus laid down his life, but no one took his life from him. Does that make sense to you? Again, God put you in charge of your life. And sometimes we, we, we start giving ourselves away in ways that we don't want to give ourselves away because we've never learned the art of saying, no, I'm sorry, I really can't do that. You say, well, Pastor Steve, did Jesus have boundaries? Sure he had boundaries. 
I mean, walk back through his ministry and just take a look at, at, at the different things that happened for Jesus. And the whole crowd of people came a couple of different times. They, wanted, they said, we want you to be the king, man. You're, you're, the, you're, the, you're the dude. We're going we're gonna to put you in, in charge of everybody. You're gonna, we're going to make you king. Did Jesus do that? No, he didn't. He walked away. You remember the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11? When Mary and Martha called for him, we need you right away. Did Jesus go right away? No, he stayed where he was three or four days. Stayed where he was at. Uh, when the religious leaders came to him, and I said, we, you know, we don't care for what you're teaching. We, we want you to give us a sign. We want you to, we want you to do this. Did, did he do it? No, he didn't do it. After he performed one miracle, he had people come and said, we need you to do another miracle. And Jesus said, no, I'm not doing it. Look at me. Jesus did not come to do the will of men. He came to do the will of his father. Now, that's a great piece of theology for us to remember is that we are here not to do the will of everyone around us, but to do what it is that God is calling us to do. I love the passage of scripture. It was so insightful to me. In Luke chapter five, when Jesus was teaching and performing miracles, it says, yet despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster and vast crowds came to hear him preach and be healed of their diseases. Now, how did Jesus respond to this? Read it with me. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Jesus often did. Now, I just want you to picture this in, in your mind because this is probably not a picture of Jesus that you often think about. Think of a crowd of people where Jesus has been healing and teaching and, and Jesus coming to a place where he knows he needs to retreat. He needs to spend time with his father. He was God, but he was in the flesh. He needed to rest. He needed to pray. He needed to recharge his battery. So here he is. He's preaching. He's healing and teaching. And then he turns and he heads for the wilderness. Think about what people are doing. Jesus, come back. Jesus, heal my baby. Jesus, I need you to come home and touch my mom. Jesus, come teach us. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. If Jesus needed to have boundaries in his life to take care of himself, you and I do too. Amen? You better believe it. That's why I put that on your outline. If Jesus can draw boundaries, so can we. This thought, next thought I'm gonna give you is gonna challenge your thinking a bit, but this is just a, a revelation of truth if you can grasp it. Take responsibility for how you are training people in your relationships. Take responsibility for how you are training people in your relationship. Just think this thought with me. In every single relationship you have, Every interaction and every encounter is teaching those people who you are, what you're about, and what you will allow or not allow in your life. Every interaction, every conversation, every, everything that you do like that is, is training them to how to respond to you. And that's why you begin to, we start getting frustrated about what people are doing and we don't even realize, you know what? We're the ones who have been teaching them this is okay. 
Now, can I, give you, can I give you a couple, I put this on your outline. You know, this is why I said that, you know, stop complaining about what you're permitting. <laughs> you know, if you're permitting it, you don't really have a right to complain about it. Here we go, let me give you a few. We train them how they can treat us. We train them how we can treat us. Have you ever been around someone who, it could be a husband and wife, it could be parents and kids, and you listen to how they talk and you go, Man, I can't believe they allow them to talk to them like that. Have you ever, have you ever had that happen? And, and, and part of what's happened in that relationship is they've, they've just made it okay. You can basically talk to me however you want. You can treat me however you want, and I'm still going to be around, which is how these relationships get so toxic at times. I remember having a conversation with a guy who he and his wife were having some issues, and his wife just got really tired of how he was treating her, and and he and I sat down and he began to talk to me about some of the things he said to her. And I looked at him, I said, dude, if I said that to my wife, she would knock me out. <laughs> you know, but, but you see, in that relationship, it finally reached a point, I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. But we teach people that's okay. How will they know it's not okay to talk to you that way or treat you that way unless you tell them, you know what, this isn't acceptable. Now look at me, I, just, I, want, I want to back, take a back step one thing. Do you know why people are the way they are? Because of how they grew up and how they learned. You see, sometimes, think about this, sometimes things that are so obvious to you about what's acceptable and unacceptable in relationships aren't always so obvious to other people because they don't have the same frame of reference that you have. And so we have to teach them what's acceptable and unacceptable. Let me give you the second, the second one. We, we train them what they can expect from us. We train them what they can expect from us. Anybody ever have someone who dumps something on you at the last minute? How many of you have had that happen? Yeah. How many of you have had the same person do it over and over and over again? Okay, look at me. We train them that's okay. We train them. Because we say yes every time they dump us on us. Instead of saying, you know, that's not really acceptable. That really doesn't work. Now, again, let me, let me take a step back. It's okay to be kind. It's okay. It's okay to choose to lay your life down. It's okay. Somebody's caught in the last minute and needs some help. Say, hey, I'm caught in the last minute and it's a, you know, it's a fluke thing. Say, hey, yeah, I'll, I'll bail you out. That, that's, a, that's a good, godly thing to do. But people who do that out of habit over and over again, we're training them. It's okay. It's, you know, it's like we've got, we've got two boys, we have grandkids, we love our grandkids, but you know, if my kids come to me at the last minute and say, I want you to watch the kids, if it's an emergency situation, then we're probably gonna say, yeah, we'll be happy to do that. But if they keep coming at the last minute, somewhere along the way, I've gotta say, you know what, I, I don't mind, I love my grandkids, I love spending time, but we, believe it or not, Wanda and I have a life too. And we make plans and so we, we need you to give us a little more warning with this. Are, are you okay? You, you see, those are the kind of conversations that, that we need to have because if not, we're just teaching them. They could do this. I love this. I saw this quote. I thought this was so great. Throw that up on the screen. Lack of planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. Everybody said, amen, amen. We train them also uh, what the consequences will be. We'll train them what the consequences will be. 
Some of the people in your life who you've been trying to draw boundaries with, I'm gonna say for some of us, the reason why they've never adhered to those boundaries is because you've never let them suffer the consequences of those boundaries. Let me give you an example. I had a, I had a brother-in-law who, um, <laughs> he loved to yell. And his kids would be in the, in the living room, they'd be yelling, carrying on whatever, and he would yell from the table, stop that in there. I said, stop that. If you don't stop that, I'm gonna come in there don't you make me get my belt. And he would sit there and just yell and yell and yell. But guess what he did? Nothing. Now, what did he teach his kids? Dad's a yeller. He's not a man of action. He, we can keep doing what we're doing because the worst that happens is he yells and we can put up with him yelling. And, and, and we're, we don't understand we're training them. There are no consequences to what you do. But what if there were? <laughs> My wife, Wanda, I'm going to say this publicly, she's a genius. And, and not just because she married me. I know that would be, that would be an obvious thing. <laughs> probably, that probably her only mental flaw that she had along the way. But we had a, we had a time years ago when we were here in Oklahoma City. My, uh, our niece, we had a niece and two nephews that lived with us. We just had a little 800-square-foot duplex over here by South uh, Oklahoma City Community College. And we had, you know, no space, and there was a lot of stuff now. We've got all these people living under one roof. And Wanda's like, I'm not doing all the chores for everybody. So here's the deal. Wanda didn't have a problem with boundaries. Still doesn't have a problem with boundaries. She got a sheet of paper. She divvied up the chores. All three of the kids, teenage kids, had chores to do. They had certain chores they had, all had to do every day. And when they did the chore, they had to come to Wanda, and Wanda would check it off of the list. At the end of the week, they would get a $5 allowance if they had completed their chores. And for every chore that they didn't do on a given day, Wanda, the banker, deducted a quarter. So on Friday, when payday came, my wife would have her sheet, and the kids would line up, and she would go, okay, Jamie, you had a pretty good week. You get $4.50. Now, back in the day, that was a lot of money. You get $4.50. And Jamie's like, yeah. She said, Melissa, you didn't have as great a week. You only get $3 because you had days you didn't do chores. Melissa's like, oh, okay. Then Mikey would come up and she'd say, Mikey, you had a really bad week. You get a quarter. <laughs> now, you know what that's called? Life. Life, we have to teach people there are consequences to their actions and behaviors. And I promise you, what Wanda was doing was not, was not just protecting us and making sure the kids, it was, it was helping them learn what it meant to be mature. Look at me, gang, just hear my heart. Believe it or not, these people you're in a relationship with, you're training them. Only question is, what are you teaching them? Okay? Sit with, sit with that this thought this week. Here's another one you need to spend some time with God with. Recognize the ungodly blowback of not drawing boundaries. Recognize the ungodly blowback of not drawing boundaries. Now what's funny is a lot of us have a problem drawing boundaries because it doesn't feel Christian. But I want you to look at what happens when we don't draw boundaries. I put this statement on your outline. Not doing the right thing with others often produces the wrong things in me. Now look at what Paul says to the Corinthian church. 
He's getting ready to make a trip there. Here's what he says. Read it with me. He goes, I'm afraid that I will find quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorderly behavior. Now, most of us, when we read that list, go, yeah, I'm good with that. But when we don't have boundaries, what happens internally for us? When we don't have boundaries and we let people take advantage of, we start getting frustrated. That frustration turns to anger. That anger turns to resentment or it turns to depression or it turns to becoming cynical uh, and, and it starts coming out sideways. We let that anger simmer. And then what do we do? We start complaining about them to other people. What's that called? That's called gossiping. So we tell other people about what they're doing, but we never have the hard conversation with them. And this list of stuff that Paul's talking about, what we're doing, we're not doing boundaries, but we're letting the blowback of not doing boundaries develop these unholy attitudes. And does this make sense to you? I can't tell you how many people I've sat with in my office talking about boundaries. And you know, they'll say that just doesn't feel Christ-like. I said, well, does it feel Christ-like to be resentful? Does it feel Christ-like to hate to see them coming? Does it feel Christ-like to, not, to, to figure out how to get out of this relationship? Wouldn't you rather have a healthy boundary and live in truth? Don't let the blowback create stuff in you. Let me give you one more. And I know some of you haven't really thought about this. But you gotta remember that boundaries are as good for others as they are for you. Boundaries are as good for others as they are for you. Look at the words Paul wrote to the Second Thessalonians to the Thessalonians in Second Thessalonians three. He said, read it with me. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule the one who was unwilling to work shall not eat. Now, when you read that, that feels kind of harsh, was it? Think about the first century church. If you go back to Acts, you find out that these people who were becoming Christians, God was touching their hearts, and they started becoming very generous. They were sharing. They were sharing their homes. They were sharing their food. They were sharing their incomes. And they were making sure that people who were in need had some. But, but think about it with me. Human, look at me. Human nature hasn't changed in 2,000 years. So the people then are like people now. There were people who said, wow, I can take advantage of the system. And so they would just let people take care of them. They would take people's money. They would take people's food. They would live in people's homes. But they didn't do anything in return. And what Paul realized is, you know, when we do this, we're, we're creating, we are training them to be lazy. We're teaching them that this is okay. So what did Paul say? We need, we need to have boundaries. People need to work if they want to eat. They need to be a part of the community. And that means they need to be putting in the effort and not just being on the receiving end. And that was what Paul knew was this was for the, the people who were becoming lazy, not just for the people who needed to, to, to make them work. Does this make sense to you? This was good for them. It's not good to help lazy people stay lazy. When you and I draw boundaries with people, again, I'm going to go back to what I told you a minute ago. Many people don't have a good social consciousness of what's acceptable and what's unacceptable. And some people, 
it's even a little bent a little more. They may have a social consciousness, but they've learned they can get by by taking advantage of other people. Now, either way, we've talked about this. I put this on your outline. Either way, we cannot make people change. Amen? But listen to the second part. But our lack of boundaries help them not to. I've had a couple of different conversations with people through the years where people will talk to me about someone who's taken advantage of them, and I'll say, you need to draw boundaries. And they'll say, you know, I just... I just wish they would stop. I just wish they would stop. And my response is this. Why should they stop? Why should they stop? You see, you can't make them change, but you can stop being an enabler for the way that they're living with you. Does this make sense to you? Now, for those of us, and I know there are a lot of us, who are in relationships with people who are struggling with addictions, This is a really important point because sometimes we think we're being kind and the reality is that sometimes we are helping people stay in their addictions. I know I came from a a family of addiction and and I have, you know, many relatives that have struggled with these things and I had a a sister, God bless her, she's gone now, but I had had a sister who was addicted to, to, to drugs and and she had a hard life. And Juan and I, you know, any chance we could, we, we would help her. and We'd help her. And, I, and one day in a time with God, I, I had this, this, this understanding that just really hit me hard. And it was, I'm helping her stay an addict. You see, I would give her money to pay her bills because she used her money to buy drugs with And so why should she pay her bills if I'm going to do that for her? And one of the hardest conversations, broke my heart, but one of the hardest conversations I ever had was when I sat with my sister and I said, I love you with all my heart, but I'm never going to give you another dime because I am helping you stay an addict. And I can't make you change, but I'm just not willing to to pay for your drugs anymore. Does that make sense? I'm going to ask my prayer partners to go ahead and take your places if you would. Just a moment, Rachel's going to lead us in a song that I, I ask her to lead us in. And when I was thinking about this message this week, one of the things I realized is that when we don't have boundaries and we really move into a codependent lifestyle, we make people our God. We let people determine what we're going to do, what we're not going to do, how we're going to live. And and I realized, you know what, we got to stop that. Jesus said, I've come to do the will of who? Of my Father. And this song is a song that says, Spirit, lead me. And my challenge to you is to to let go of other people who have controlled your life. It's okay to help. It's okay to do good things. But do it because you choose to do it. 
and that it's a healthy and good thing to do and not, not just because you feel bad and not just because people want you to. Sometimes that need to be needed is as much of a sin as any that we list in Scripture. Amen. So this morning, I don't know what you need to pray for. Maybe you have a relationship you need someone to pray with you about. Maybe you've got a relationship with someone who's an addict and you need someone to pray with you about asking God to help break the chains and set them free. Maybe, maybe your prayer need today has nothing to do with any of that. Maybe you're going through something physically. Maybe you're going through a tough time. Maybe you're having a financial deal you're facing. Maybe you've got some stuff going on at work. There's power where two or three gather together in the name of Jesus. And, and so this morning, while we sing this song, anything that you have that you need that you would like someone to pray with, you can slip out and come. We've got our prayer partners here at the front. They would be more than happy to pray with you about anything on your heart today. Let the song speak to you. If you have a prayer need, come share it with us. Fathers, we come before you today. Um, again, we... Thank you for your word and the way that you make us aware of things in our lives and relationships that maybe we haven't been before. But a mind once stretched can never return to its original dimensions. And so now, Lord, that we've heard the truth, I pray that you would help us to put it into practice. God, I have no doubt that there are a ton of people online and here in the audience today that struggle with boundaries in their relationships and I don't claim to have all the answers, but Father, I know that you do. And so I'd simply pray that you would put your hand upon their shoulder. I pray that you would guide them, give them wisdom, courage. I pray that you would help them to live in truth. Because when we live in truth, that truth sets us free. And so Father, today, I pray for healing. I pray for wholeness. I pray for those of us, Lord, who um, need to reach out, and I pray for those of us who need to release. God, meet us here today, and I pray that we would live out our lives in such a way that when one day when we stand before you, we will say that not only did we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, but we lived the fullness of life that you had intended for us to live because we chose to allow you to determine the way of our life and not people around us. God, we love you. And I pray that you would do a miracle in some of our lives where we need a special touch. I, I wanna pray specifically for those, Lord, who are in relationship with those that are battling addictions. I know what that challenge is like. And I just pray for your hand. I pray for the freedom that you, can, you alone can bring. I pray for the breakthroughs, Lord, that lives need to have. And pray that you would do something that would astound us all to a point that we would say, that's God. Lord, we love you. Thank you for being with us here today. In Christ's name we pray. And everyone said.